0: A remote, fantastical kingdom far from Europe's chancelleries of power. An ancient castle where secrets are walled up. An unpopular monarch on the eve of his coronation. A ruling class of plotters and would-be usurpers. And a gentleman adventurer on holiday. No, not Ruritania in the 19th century, but the United Kingdom in the 21st. new book, The Prisoner of Windsor, is a contemporary inversion of Anthony Hope's classic The Prisoner of Zender. In the original, an English gentleman on vacation is called upon to stand in for his lookalike, the King of Ruritania, at his coronation. Over a century later, a Ruritanian on vacation in London is called upon to return the favour and stand in for an Englishman in an absurd fantastical kingdom where Brexit never quite happened. Plots are afoot. The Prisoner of Windsor by Mark Stein. Available in hardback and digital editions, or for a personally autographed copy, go to steinonline.com. The Stein Online Clubland Q&A begins right now.
1: Welcome along September 15th, 2023. It is 3pm North American Eastern Time, 4pm in the beautiful Canadian Maritimes, 4.30pm in fabulous Newfoundland and beyond the Americas, 8pm British Summer Time, 9pm Central European Time, which is the time zone wherein I happen to be confined, 10pm Yeah, I won't even bother with this. 10 p.m. in Kiev. Kiev. Uh, 10 p.m. in Kiev and Moscow, now in the same time zone, if not the same country. 10.30 p.m. in Tehran, for all you Newfoundlanders who moved to Iran for the half-hour time zone. Midnight 45 in Kathmandu, for all you Iranians who moved to Nepal to check out the quarter-hour time zone. 3 a.m. in Singapore where celebrations are about to begin for the centenary of Lee Kuan Yew, first Prime Minister of that incredibly successful city-state, and a truly uh, brilliant man, Harry Lee, if you knew him at Cambridge. And if you did, you called him Harry until the end of his life, one of the great figures of the modern commonwealth, Lee Kuan Yew. Uh, 5 a.m. in Sydney and Melbourne and Port Moresby. I'm terribly sorry about that. 7 a.m. in Auckland. And a rather more convivial hour for the Kippers and Kedgeri in His Majesty's Dominions across the Pacific. Great to be back with you. Thank you to Melissa and Andrew for holding down the fort. And uh, happy Rosh Hashanah to Laura Rosen-Cohen and our Jewish listeners. It started at sunset, uh, which has already happened in the Eastern Hemisphere. Uh, as you know, my idea of a medical bulletin is, as I always say, that of Viscount Dawson of Penn. With respect to his late Majesty George V, the king's life is drawing peacefully towards its close. And if you know Lord Dawson, as Veronica in Auckland, among uh, our listeners, does, uh, you'll know that drawing peacefully uh, is a bit of a term of art with him. What was the old, uh, there was an old jingle they used to, uh, how did it go? Lord Dawson of Pen has killed many men, and that's why we sing, God Save the King. Uh, this is the only show on the air, folks, that does Viscount Dawson of Pen shtick. Uh, Nevertheless, I don't like to get any more specific than he did. I will say, however, that I am slowly moving west toward my beloved New Hampshire. Um, I had a lovely time in Trieste, almost too lovely in a way, Uh, and then I had to see someone in Milan, Milano, where we have a Welsh Stein Club member. I don't know how many... Uh, Italian uh, Stein Club members we have in Aberystwyth, but we have a Welsh Stein Club member in uh, Milano. Uh, so I took a nice little stopping train from Trieste to Venice. Lovely little story, I felt conversation with people, Rather, in, rather enjoyed it. And then a slightly grander express to Milan. Uh, and after I'd been given the all-clear to head to France, I boarded a truly lovely train, courtesy of Trenitalia. highly recommended, rather good wine list. Uh, so I'm in France right now, I have a court date in the dank toilet of the District of Columbia Superior Court next month, in person, the rather stroppy judge has decreed. Uh, so if it's still not safe for me to fly, I'll be taking the Queen Mary II out of Southampton. If you see me on deck, uh, come up and say say hello. I'll appreciate it. Enough of that. On with the show. What's been happening? Well, COVID's back. Just in time for election year, funnily enough. Ooh, super scary new variants. And uh, speaking of Donald J. Trump, whose candidacy is the reason they need all these scary variants, it turns out after all these years that there is a P tape after all. Uh, but not from the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow, rather from the home of a Democrat candidate in Virginia, Susanna Gibson, who at her porn site, where she charges money to watch her perform sex acts, uh, she will urinate in your general direction for a fee, uh, which is uh, too obvious a metaphor for the uh, state of politics, I would say. So let us... Get to your questions. Chris Davis says, Mark, as always, it's good to have you back behind the microphone. Uh, I hope this is the nucleus of a sustained recovery from your travails. What's your take on the Hunter Biden indictment saga? I fear this is classic bait and switch, in which case what is being buried in lieu. Uh, this, This is... Uh, I think happened yesterday. Hunter Biden has been indicted on federal gun charges. He's <laughs> he's he's not the most uh, reliable of uh, gun owners. He managed to dispose of a gun that uh, I forget why he didn't need it anymore. Uh, <laughs> he left it in the trash can across from a schoolhouse, which is highly which is highly responsible. Anyway, he's been indicted on federal gun charges. The point here, is, you, the, my starting point for anything in America now is that the dirty, stinking, rotten, corrupt justice system is bollocks from top to toe. I know this from my own aforementioned case that is supposedly after whatever it is, 11 years coming to trial next month it's rubbish it's just a disgrace americans should be ashamed of it um but uh, the 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 charges there's nothing honest about any of the system you know the all this pleading down and all the rest of it so you get overcharged right so they come up with 173 indictments against you in order that you plead it down. Or as in the Trump case, they indict not just Trump, but 147 other people uh, whom they can then lean on to turn on Trump. It's a racket. It's disgusting. Just thinking about American courthouses makes me want to vomit. Um, But, uh, so the question question always is then, which, which particular racket is it? Now, here we have a situation where they want to show, oh, no one is above the law, because that bolsters their prosecution of Trump. Oh, so here we are, we're going to prosecute the president's son, the sitting president's son. Uh, So that will mean that when we have Trump in the dock, it'll make it look even uh fairer than it is no one is above the law uh, why it's not just the uh, republican president we prosecute but also the democrat president's son the question is whether you think that hunter biden laptop and what's on it is about hunter biden or is it really about joe biden Uh, If you take these stupid American laws, laws against everything, uh, then Hunter Biden, in theory, should have registered as a foreign agent because he's, uh, you know, basically, that's what he is. That's where his money comes from. That's where his fancy cars come from. That's where his drugs come from. That's where his hookers come from, the money he gets from foreigners because of his surname. So the question is, is the Hunter Biden story about Hunter Biden, or is it really about his father? Uh, And if you think it's the latter, as I do, then prosecuting Hunter on the gun thing is, uh, is a fantastic bit of deflection. Because it's the one thing that's self-contained to Hunter. It's a, you know, it's an infraction of the law. It's a serious one. It would be serious if, you know, you did it. Uh, But they want to make it look as as if it's serious because Hunter did it. What they don't want is anything that opens up Ukraine, China, 10% for the big guy, uh... Joe Biden having dinner with Hunter Biden business associates at whatever that cafe, whatever it is. Uh, Cafe Milano, is it? Is it Cafe Milano? I'm just confused by Milan. Uh, They don't want to open up any of that because that will just lead, you know, uh, this business meeting will lead... To that phone call will lead to that exchange of emails will lead to some sleazy company in Ukraine or some well-connected general in China, and uh, then the whole Biden corruption thing will be opened up. So you want to, if you're going to drag Hunter into court. You wanna find one self-contained little thing that is not gonna to lead to his dad or to the fact that this entire awful rot, it's everything I loathe about, uh, it, well, it's beyond that, really, because I guess if you looked at how Joe Biden lived uh, these last this last half century, his property portfolio Uh, is not something that can be supported on a senator's salary Uh, so he's obviously been taking money from all kinds of people for you know as i said the last half century but you sort of assume that it's just uh, until recently it's just the usual nickel and diming you know whatever it was all the the uh those no-name banks that headquarter in delaware and all that kind of thing Uh, And in fact, it turns out to be something far worse than that, in that he's owned uh, by extensive foreign interests, particularly the Chinese Politburo. And if you just think about what we know from Hunter Biden's laptop, from the texts and the emails that are on that, And then you think, well, that's just what we know because we read Miranda Devine in the New York Post or whatever. Then you think about what the uh, Chairman she knows because he's got all those emails, all those texts, and then a whole lot more. So this whole, oh, Hunter Biden's been indicted. Yeah, he's been indicted on one little itty bitty thing that doesn't open the door to the fact that his dad is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese Politburo. Uh, That's that's the reason they're going for him on the gun charge. Uh, Scott Scherzer writes from Miami Beach, Dear Mark, glad you're feeling up to handling today's Q&A that the Republican establishment doesn't seem too troubled by Trump's four indictments suggests they're hoping for a fifth and sixth. If the mask hadn't already fallen, it seems obvious by now that there is no Conservative Party in US politics. In your opinion, do they even wish to win the 2024 election, or would they rather have an increasingly senile Joe Biden for another four years, or however many he has left? I know that it still hurts to laugh, but do you think they'll show their mettle in the current <laughs> in the <laughs> Sorry. I'll try and read this with a straight face. But do you think they'll show their mettle in the current budget negotiations that they have the backbone to force a government shutdown? Take good care and please share with us club members how Italian hospital food, compares to the many other countries in which you've convalesced. Well, the French food was, uh, I thought was actually rather rather good. Um, at the Royal Victoria Hospital in Montreal, I liked the lavender smoothie. I didn't like anything at the University of Vermont Medical Center, I'm not gonna even go, uh, go there. Um, but to get to, I don't think the, the lavender smoothie at the Royal Victoria was the main reason for the question. It wasn't the main substantive. Oh yeah, the Republican establishment. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, there's no conservative party in U.S. politics. You know, what's happened in America is unique. There's just the same two parties for a hundred and fifty years now since the Civil War. And that's very unusual, and I'm in France at the moment. Uh, you know, Parties come and go. Uh, uh, Monsieur Macron formed his party when he ran for uh, the presidency. Uh, if you look at uh, the United Kingdom, which uh, it's a slightly less easy than in continental countries to start a new party under the Westminster system. Uh, but Nigel Farage formed the Brexit party uh, just a month before the whatever it was, the European elections, and uh, drove the Tories to their absolutely worst result ever. And if you look at uh, Canada, uh, one uh, the 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 uh, conservative government as it then was split into three factions: uh, the separatist party Quebecois, uh, the Western uh, Uh, seriously conservative party, the Reform Party, and that left this rump conservative party reduced to just two seats. That goes, all this stuff goes on in almost every other developed nation. The only thing, nothing happens ever is in this hideous, frozen two-party system. And if you think about it, logically, well, why is it? Why is it so difficult to start a new party and get on the ballot? Because the two-party cartel, the Coke and Pepsi, uh, you know, of politics, um, it suits them to have a frozen two-party system. Now, in in theory, that ought to mean they're broad alliances. Uh, but in fact, what it means is that uh, you have one party which is serious about power and doesn't waste any time. And if you think about, if you think about the things that have changed since the beginning of this century, you know, the Obama uh, administration uh, gave us uh, Obamacare, uh, and they uh, gave us, uh, you know, so if you're a lefty, you think, oh yeah, I voted for the Democrats and I got that. I voted for the Democrats and Joe Biden came out in favour of gay marriage, and then it happened. So I got that. Uh, whereas if you're on the other side, uh, you know, it's not. It's a. It's a little bit. It's a, It's a little bit more mixed, I would say. And I I take into account the uh, the overturning of uh, Roe versus Wade and. And all the rest of it. But there's not, if you've got a permanent uh, Tweedledee, Tweedledum, uh, two party system, then things sort of settle down in, you know, again, like the frozen map, which isn't so frozen because it used to be a big solid L. Shape for the Republicans down the Rocky Mountains, and then east to the Atlantic through the South, uh, that's gone. It's all been nibbled away at the edges. But if you're say Mitch McConnell, if you're Lindsey Graham, you know it's still in the end the system it doesn't really. It's not really necessary for you to be in power. I mean, Lindsey Graham isn't in power, but he gets to fly off to Ukraine every two weeks, urging more and more war, urging the overthrow of Putin and all the way. That's quite good, isn't it? I mean, there's not a lot of systems, political systems in the world, in which some pipsqueak legislator who belongs to the losing party uh, gets to threaten uh, the strongman of Russia with his overthrow, but uh, Lindsey Graham gets away with that. Uh, with doing it. The problem now is that, as I said, the Democrats are serious about power. It's my old line, you know, when the, when the Democrats win, they're in power, when the Republicans win, they're in office. And that is generally true. If you look at those two uh, wasted years when the Republicans had everything, they had the White House, they had the Senate, they had the House of Representatives and, uh, and the wall didn't happen. The, the, Trump ran on an agenda, and he won on that agenda, and if you had a proper party system, the party that won would be obliged to enact its agenda. Instead, uh, it, was all a bit, uh, it was all a bit too hardcore for Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, so instead they sabotaged the agenda. And, uh, you know, I hope—at le- I hope having been through that, that Trump if he should manage to win this time, is prepared for all that and is prepared to screw because nobody cares about Paul Ryan. Nobody cares about Mitch McConnell. Uh they just they just happen to be the emirs of Incumbistan, as I called those senators a long time ago. And and so that's, you know, all that's and we don't even know whether uh Mitch is gonna be uh, you know, how much longer Mitch is uh, going to be running things because he's been behaving as oddly as Biden. And so he just sort of switches off in the middle of news conferences and things. Um, so the Uniparty is a huge problem. But the whole thing here is, you know, this, this is what's the, the Democrat thing where they want to get rid of Biden, but they don't want the cackler. And, uh, and so it's all a bit difficult uh, figuring out. How, I mean, you could easily just put Biden back in his basement in Delaware and not let him out again. And he would have forgotten within 48 hours that he'd ever been president. Uh, so that's not a difficult problem. But the problem then is that how in the modern Democrat Party, how do you say about a black woman that, oh, no, she's too crap? Uh, to be president you can't do that yeah you, the base is already demoralized uh, enough as it is you know the blacks are, aren't going to turn the minorities aren't going to turn out in the numbers they should for the democrats and so they've they've got a bit of a problem there now they'll sort out the problem because as i said they're serious about power but the uh but the 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 real question here is they're getting bolder and bolder. That grand jury wanted to indict Lindsey Graham, wanted to indict a sitting senator. They're criminalizing politics because they can. They're criminalizing their political opposition because they can. And they're not just people who want a car and a driver. You know, politics is great in America because once you get to a certain level, you never have to write a personal check ever again. It's all the donors take care of everything. Uh, It's fabulous. It's a fabulous life. And if that's enough for you, swell. But the problem is the system doesn't work because the Democrats also like the car and driver and not having to write a personal check. But they're also serious about accomplishing their policy goals. Uh, and that's what the, uh, the Republicans are, are not uh, at the moment. John Fatchy says, welcome back, Mark. Uh, following yourself and your circle of guests and pundits, when I connect all of the dots, this is what I fear. Decades-long blue state violations against the Second Amendment, then crippling inflation... Fueled by fuel costs that limit our mobility. Now Biden pushes UAW to strike due to his EV policies. The left has only won out of this political disaster, and that's world war. This brings the elite's war on Americans full circle. These policies have prepared American soil for the coming ground troops. I know, it's too outrageous. Uh, here is an alternate question for those who are weak in the knees. Happy Hispanic Heritage Month, which started on the 15th. Why Why does it start on the 15th? Why do we celebrate Hispanic heritage, then disparage Christopher Columbus? Well, it's horses for courses. It's the old uh, Leninist uh, who, whom formulation. Uh, for the purposes of... Uh, the conquest of the Americas, Christopher Columbus is a white male. So uh, in terms of what, if he's uh, giving the uh, smallpox blankets uh, to the Indians, uh, that must be because he's a white male. He belongs to the designated evildoer class. Uh, When you're talking about uh, Hispanics, uh, you're talking about an, a victim group who exists, who, like the Indians, exist in opposition to white men like Christopher Columbus. So that's, uh, it's, as I said, it's just crude Leninist who-whom type of stuff. Now, as for your other stuff, um, yeah, it's not even to do with crippling inflation fueled by fuel costs that will limit our mobility. They're going to limit your mobility anyway. Uh, That's the whole idea. They're they're basically, you know, uh, if you haven't listened to Out of Time, uh, last month's Tale for Our Time, there's passing references to Herr Benz and his uh, delightful lady who uh, were pioneering the Motorwagen in Germany. And of course what America did and does with a lot of these things is it democratizes innovation. So Henry Ford made uh, motor cars for everybody uh, and that's what they want to end. That's the whole thing with this electric vehicle illusion. There never gonna be enough charging stations, there never gonna be enough batteries to have private automobiles on the scale we do now. So it's all about 15 minute cities it's all about ending air travel the the uh, uk government plan it's actually a paper drawn up by somebody on behalf of his majesty's government that foresees uh, i think it's only three airports in the united kingdom there's heathrow there's glasgow in scotland belfast in northern ireland and wales gets zip uh, because they want to kill jet travel. So, uh, you know, the only people flying around will be the guys going to the World Econ- Economic Forum meetings or to the G20 or whatever. Uh, but Mr. and Mrs. Scoggins won't be able to go and lie on a beach in Greece for two weeks. All well, that's what it's all... Go- here's here's the, you know, the, the short version. Um... Western civilization is going off a cliff, it's not going to be around much longer, Uh, and it's happening on America's watch, so uh, historians, if there are any in the future, will be absolutely scathing and withering about it. What all these, and all the, as I often say, all these arguments, oh, we are a constitutional republic, oh, we are a constitution, none of these things matter because whatever you are, uh, we, we've we trained hundreds of millions of people to loathe their own civilizational inheritance. That's what this referendum in Australia is uh, actually really about, It. Uh, You know, the polls seem to show that it's going to lose, but I'm never confident about that until they've actually counted all the numbers. Uh, But that uh, referendum in Australia is basically about hating the very idea of Australia, the city of Montreal in Canada. After the statue in uh, Dominion Square of uh, Canada's first prime minister, Sir John A. Macdonald, a great man, was decapitated. So they took it away a couple of years ago, and now they've decided they're not going to be putting it back. They're going to leave the plinth uh, with the word MacDonald on the base, and then they're going to commission some indigenous digital art, you know, in other words, wankery, uh, so that we can all reflect when we pass it. Uh, so it doesn't... All, all, all these anglosphere nations america britain canada australia new zealand have raised uh, their peoples in significant numbers to loathe everything about their countries and uh, and that isn't going to end well pete Procobio says mark the uaw is officially on strike For the first time in their 88 year history, they walked out on the big three automakers, uh, Ford, General Motors, Stellantis, simultaneously. They're demanding to be paid more, 40% more, to make electric vehicles that nobody wants. If that's not Bidenomics, I don't know what is. Growing a bloated manufacturing sector through government mandates and subsidies, dashed by the bottom up and middle out. Uh, glad you're still with us. Yeah, the thing is, they don't—they're not even really the guys who make the EVs. The guys who make the EVs are the seven-year-old small boys in the cobalt mines in Central Africa, and they're not looking at a forty percent wage increase. And if they were, it would only take them—you know—from uh, two groats. To just under three groats a week, so uh, that's that's what's happening. That's what's happening there. People figure things out, though. You know, we're te- we're taking, and and this is goes to what I was saying about commercial air travel too. A lot of things that were mass, in defiance of the way things usually are. You know, something starts off as just for the elite and then it becomes something for everybody. And our guys are so at war with the masses that they're now taking mass things and making them just for the elite. So this whole electric vehicle thing is just For a start, the weight of these vehicles, you know, is gonna bring, you know, the bridges in the United States are not in the best shape anyway. these things, if you remember the big dig in Boston at the beginning of the century, tied up you know, traffic for whatever it was, a decade while they were doing that, that little thing. This is gonna bring, I mean, I'm just thinking in my own part of the world, the, the Connecticut River that uh, divides New Hampshire from Vermont, the only way you can get from New Hampshire to Vermont or vice versa is on the bridges. The weight of these electric vehicles is gonna bring down all these bridges. This isn't about, this is, you know, uh, uh, Neil Oliver's misses, Uh, has a very good line. It's not about going green, it's about going without. And that's what they're training us for. Dale Owens. A Welshman living near Milan. Uh, I, I'm, Dale is the one I was referring to at the top of the show. Uh, Dale says, dear Mark, as Italy faces full-scale invasion by hordes of ally- asylum seekers, do you think Georgia Maloney is turning out to be just another fake populist trying to be nice to the respectable people like Biden and Cruella von der Leyen? Uh, says Dale, the Welshman living near Milan. Yeah, she's been a dis- bit of a disappointment, and my friend Ava Velardinger is fairly furious with her. It's interesting to me about these uh, populists. When they get elected, you know, they, they're terrific when they're running. She was fantastic when she was running. Then they get elected, and for whatever reason, uh, none of the stuff they promise really happened. I mean, there's a bit of this, there's a bit of that at the margin. But as Dale points out, you know, Italy is getting all these people coming over from Libya, thanks to Hillary Clinton getting rid of Gaddafi. We came, we saw he died, as she joked, uh, and um, and so uh, now all these people are getting on the boat. This is what our show was about on Wednesday, the, uh, the, the people being ushered in to Italy and other Mediterranean countries and then making their way to the welfare state gravy trains of Scandinavia or the UK. Um, so uh, I, wonder, I wonder about this. It's almost as if, oh, now I've won the election, so I'm going to be prime minister. And, oh, yes, prime minister, just come this way. We're going to have a little briefing. And somewhere in the back rooms, the deep state types lay down the law and nothing ever happens. But I have to say, with Georgia Maloney, it is a a huge disappointment. And there's... It's, again... It's not usually a good lesson to teach people that there are no democratic means by which they can change the trajectory of their society. You know, there, there's uh, there's a certain feeling that Western populations are totally wussified. Now, you certainly get that. If you, did you see that? I think it was a CBS News poll on people who were worried about the incoming Covid variants and you know obviously uh, since the last time they did the big scare thing with Omicron and whatever it was Christmas 2021 a lot of people still you know oh gosh new variant yes I'm terrified of that I think I'm going to start wearing seven masks now Uh, a lot of that's gone away but if you look at the hardcore numbers it's basically 50 50 I think it's 52 percent said they weren't worried about these new variants bring it on And 48% um, said they were. So that's half and half. So you know when this... And you know too who the half and half is. The half that is taking it seriously uh, are all the respectable people who listen to NPR. They're the people who matter. They're the high status people. And they're the people... Uh, who are going to be going around in masks and taking the new variant super scarily seriously and all the rest of it. There's a huge, and this is the problem, this is the problem, whether even the urge to say, screw it, I've had enough, has actually been been, uh, bred out. Because things like what's happening in Italy, where you vote for, or what happened with Trump, Basically, you say the Republican Party base said to the Republican Party, no, sorry, we don't want Jeb and we don't want Kasich and we don't want Mitt. It's not enough. And the Republican Party establishment basically said, "Ah, well, screw you, you can't, you can't, you've got these little bounds you can operate within on the right on the left it's you know it's diff- it's a different thing you can have joe manchin or you can have uh, alexandria ocasio-cortez but on the right you just have two or you know you can have the choice between a left-of-centre guy like Joe Manchin, or a crazy left-of-centre guy like Bernie Sanders. Uh, but if you're not someone of the left, you can have an ever so teensy, winceyly, just about detectably right-of-left-of-centre uh, choice with Kasich or Jeb or whoever it is. But if you want anything more than that, no. That ain't gonna happen. Uh, And that's basically the lesson that in various ways, in both Italy and the United States, our rulers are determined to uh, teach us. Uh, Let's let's pause for a brief musical respite from the hell of the headlines, uh, because I just need uh, two minutes to uh, get my voice back. Um, Even though I have now moved on to France, I keep getting requests to play music Uh, from Italy, because I was in uh, uh, Trieste, which is uh, part of Italy now, though it wasn't uh, for a long time. Uh, So anyway, here's an Italian song that was a huge hit uh, for Renato Carassoni in the late 50s. Signor Carassoni wrote the music, and the lyric is by Nisa, as he was known, Nicola Salerno. Uh, we're going to hear a cute take it by a current Anglo-Italian group I saw do it a couple of years back. Uh, maybe in, uh, I think it was in Pizza Express, not the uh, Pizza Express in Woking that the Duke of York claims to patronise, but the Pizza Express in Soho. The title is Tu Vuo fa l'Americano, which means you want to play the American. Uh, because a lot of Monto Hep Italians did like to act American in the 1950s. Uh, and once you know the title, you'll get all the references to whiskey and soda, rock and roll, and baseball. Fun tune, cute words, to for O'fale americano. <laughs> In soda Two Fall Americano, neat arrangement by Hetty and the Jazzato Band. That's Hetty Loxton on vocals, Charlotte Jolly on clarinet, Fabrizio Bonacci on guitar, Alessandro Cimasi on bass, and Riccardo Castellani on drums. If you're there in your neck of the woods, go see them. You'll have a fun time. Two Fall Americano. You want to be the American? Uh, Italians and other Continentals did in the 1950s. Not sure they want to today, other than a New York uh, Yankees t-shirt and the like, and those are all made in China anyway. Uh, Sad. Uh, Mark Stein's Clubland Q&A live around the planet. It's 18 to 9, British summertime. A little behind, a lot ahead, according to where you chance to be on this turbulent earth. More Italiano music coming up, but let's get back to your questions. This one is from Eagle Patriot Minuteman, 19... uh, Eagle Patriot Minuteman, I do apologize. Eagle Patriot Minuteman, 1776. Possibly not his real name. Uh, He says, uh, this is... (laughs) Uh, it's definitely not his real name. This is, you may recall that uh, back when the Ukraine thing started, we had a uh, club member uh, actually living in Kyiv at the time. That was William. This is William under the moniker Eagle Patriot Minuteman 1776. Not sure whether he's still in Kyiv or whether he's skedaddled out of there. But he says, and actually. If you're in Kyiv, you probably think of this question uh, more than uh, some others might. Dear Mr. Stein, I do not understand why so many Britons and Commonwealth citizens love America so much. The United States did everything it possibly could to subvert the British Empire. Uh, That's true, that was certainly true. FDR didn't like it at all. Uh, and, uh, and uh, certainly was determined that if America entered the war, then it would come out of the war with uh, the British Empire uh, no longer dominant. Um, so why says William, uh, wait a minute, I've misplaced, the oh, here we are. So why says William, do Lord Black And so many English love the US so much. It's true that Conrad Black, you know, they put him in jail. Uh, And yet if you, and I I had this call, I went to visit Conrad in federal prison in Miami. And it was not a, you know, it was a disturbing thing for me. And I should imagine more so for him, you know, to see him come out in the orange jumpsuit and all the rest of it. Uh, and where they're surrounded by drug dealers and rapists and all the rest of it uh, whose, uh, whose baby mamas have come to visit them in, in prison. <laughs> and so Conrad, I, he's neither the typical inmate uh, and I'm not the typical uh, prison visitor. And we had like this conversation on American exceptionalism. <laughs> That half the jailbirds around us in the immediate vicinity were two Canadians talking about American exceptionalism in the federal prison. But despite the he wrote, one of the first things he did when he came out of prison was to write this book on the rise of America, and it's you know a lot of people as. William says around the commonwealth uh, like America but uh, like America after they've unjustly banged you up in the big house for however many years it was uh, testifies uh, to something or other um, and William seems to think it uh, testifies to madness Uh, so he says so why do Lord Black and so many English love the US so much if anything they should loathe the US for snaffling the world from under Britain's feet and then letting the world go to hell. A world with Britain as a superpower would have been much better. Uh, William is American, so I'm not sure where this stuff is headed. People need to realize, he says, that the United States is the cause of half the world's problems. Everything from wokery to crappy music. (laughs) American liberals and neocons love to say Russia should be divided up. Perhaps Russia and China Should divide the US between themselves instead and thereby put an end to the cancer spreading from this country to the rest of the world. By the time they leave, they will have eradicated all the woke purple haired freaks anyway. Sorry for the dark mood. I just worked a 12 hour shift at a dairy plant and busted my tyre leaving the parking lot, that can do it. I think, I take it then, William, you're actually in the United States at the moment. You know, the thing about it is, uh, that's another reason I say, you know, don't start doing this, all this, all constitutional republic, constitutional monarchy thing. Andrew Roberts has a line that he used in his... uh, sequel to churchill's history of the english-speaking peoples which he says in the scheme of history just as we look on the roman republic and the roman empire as the same uh, dominant power so he says as andrew roberts the british empire and the american republic will be looked at at uh, as one uh, stage of Anglo domination for two centuries. People won't distinguish. And in fact, the Chinese uh, take it to the next level. They don't distinguish between the half millennium of Western dominance. So they take the British Empire and uh, the American Republic and they throw in France and Spain and Portugal and the Netherlands, just as one great half millennium blip of an aberration and it's worth taking that seriously. I mentioned the other day, because uh, I've been sitting in Trieste, that the uh, Venetian Republic, which most people haven't even heard of, lasted a thousand pretty good years. It helps to have a bit of perspective. It's not, it's not gonna, no one's gonna care about the American constitution if, you know, uh, it's it's just a blip by comparison with the Venetian Republic, say. Then you have, you know, America's 1950 dominance. So, you know, everyone liked to gloat that the Soviet Union lasted basically one human lifespan from 1917 to when it all went belly up in the early 1990s. So 75 years or whatever it was, well, that's actually what America's 1950 moment of global dominance is looking like from 1950 to, you know, whatever we are now, 2023. So in the scheme of things, that isn't really going to matter. What makes it matter is, as I said, the whole of Western civilization is going off the cliff with America. And um, William says, you know, William... Uh, Says um, that the United States, what's he? I want to make sure I quote him correctly. The United States is the cause of half the world's problems, everything from wokery to crappy music. Uh, And he talks about, you know, the way people like Lindsey Graham talk about dividing Russia up. And he suggests Russia and China should divide the U.S. up between themselves. Well, that's not going to happen, because the fact is that the open borders, basically, if you import the third world, you become the third world, uh, particularly if there's no there's no assimilation. What's assimilation? Oh, yes, uh, yes, come and learn how great it is being American. Oh, look there, there's some guy still on his plinth the statue of some guy, I don't know who he is, but we'll topple him, because it's, its it ruins the whole line now of all the empty plinths in American cities. So uh, so there's no assimilation or anything, so they don't need to divide it up, I don't know why they want to divide it, if it just becomes a fractious uh, tribal wasteland of uh, war, warring tribalisms, then, uh, neither Russia nor China is going to be interested in in getting a uh, in getting a piece of that. I do think uh, William is right when he says that uh, you know the, I, I I put it this way. I would say the, the in the Western world it gets saner the further east you go. That's to say a lot of the hardcore craziness comes from the United States. It's then taken up by His Majesty's Dominions, by Canada, Britain, Australia, uh, New Zealand, who whose whole thing is to uh, mimic America. Tu, for forfà l'Americano. They like to play the American too. So if America's doing something crazy, then within a couple of years, they've taken up the craziness too, like the trans thing. Uh, then you get to the people, uh, in like I'm in France at the moment, French educrats, that's to say bureaucrats in the French education ministry, uh, regard le wokisme as an existential threat uh, to France. It's a crazy Anglo perversion that, if they're not careful, is going to wind up taking hold in France. And then, so that's like Western, that's, I would say, generally true in Western Europe. And then obviously uh, you get to, um, across to Trieste, basically, and across the Iron Curtain. And as I said, on the Mark cruise, I think a lot of those countries, the Slovenia, Croatia, Montenegro, uh, are better bets for the future than a lot of the Western, Western nations. And it is interesting to me, You know, as I said, it's not a small thing that you, on your watch, your entire civilizational inheritance goes off the cliff. And people are going to be wondering why it happened. I mean, one of the, one of the terrible aspects of this is the way uh, this intervention around the world with no clear strategic purpose other than to make a lot of money out of it. The interesting thing when you go to Iraq or Afghanistan is how few people ever actually encountered an American. Um, A former Australian prime minister said to me, I ran into him two days after he was back from Afghanistan. And he said, these things are like crusader forts. Uh, When he was talking about whatever it it was called Camp Bastion or whatever it's called. You know, inside the walls of the Crusader Fort, uh, you can live as if you're in America. There's Dunkin' Donuts and Burger King and all the rest of it. And you never venture out uh, into the surrounding countryside or the villages or the towns uh, except to, you know, uh, bomb some goat herd or whatever. Uh, it's not a productive way of waging war. It doesn't do anything for the American idea, you know. And uh, I, and it's harder and harder, I think, if you look at where we're headed, to look at what has happened um, as anything other than America having squandered its moment of global dominance, terrible things, terrible things are going to come after America has gone. And we will all want to know why it was that the entire political class, uh, you know, basically basically let this happen, basically permitted this to happen. Um, the notorious, um, Wait a minute. Is this the right question? The, oh, I'll do. I'll come back to that one. Because uh, what was the one I was going to? Um, uh, Kirk says, "Welcome back, Mark. Get out of politics. Take care of your health." <laughs> I'm not really in politics. I really enjoyed listening, says Kirk, to Out of Time and now The Prisoner of Windsor. Not only are you a terrific writer but your audio presentation is superb. Any thoughts of turning these two satirical works into films? Maybe that could be the next project of uh, Anne and Phelan." I did actually sell the film rights to a book of mine a long time ago. I can't even remember which book it was, which tells you (laughs) how far that has processed. Uh, through the film thing. I'm, you know, politics, here's the thing. I mean this, this is the big thing. We are moving now. We have trained, we have told. First, there's the void, the empty plinths. So you say, well, we can't have Robert E. Lee and Rich Lowry and the other butch boys so I'm well, we not really sure Robert E. Lee is the hill to die on. Uh, and so, but you know, if they come for Washington and Jefferson and Teddy Roosevelt and William McKinley and whatever, we'll be there for those guys. Well, they've come for all those and you weren't there. Um, and as I always say, unless you're prepared to surrender everything, surrender nothing. Because because this idea of the continuous litigation of history. You know, in crappy American courthouses, you you have a statute of limitations. So uh, I can't wait 200 years and then decide I want to sue so-and-so for being a slave owner. There's a reason why you can't do that in court. And we've done, uh, we're doing terrible things here. There's I think we've got a question about this somewhere. I just saw it as I was scrolling through. But um, in Ontario, in Mississauga, which is just uh, outside Toronto, just south on the Queen Elizabeth Way, heading down to Niagara Falls. Know it well, Uh, lived uh, on its borders uh, for a crucial part of my life. they, they've now decided the, the, the school library is getting rid of all books before 2008 because they're not inclusive. I don't know what happened in 2008 suddenly to make all the books inclusive, but that's the cutoff they've decided. That's year zero, which used to be a concept that they only had in nutso places like Cambodia under the Khmer Rouge but which they now have in southern Ontario, in Mississauga. Uh, they have Year Zero, which is 2008. All the books written before that, and if you think, oh, what, what books were written before? Oh, uh, yeah, Jane Austen and Gibbons' Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire and uh, Dickens and Trollope and, oh, actually, two thousand and eight. Very recent, isn't it? So it also means all the Harry Potter books have to go too because they're not inclusive either. This is evil, evil. You know, we used to understand when you saw uh, Nazis burning huge piles of books in the street uh, that even if you didn't follow politics terribly closely as Kirk recommends, get out of politics, you knew, you understood instinctively, that's not the sign of a healthy society, okay? So now it's not the Nazis who are doing it, it's uh, librarians in Southern Ontario. And what you do when you do that, so you destroy the past so people can't go back there. The the uh, Taliban understand that, that's why they blew up those giant statues um, Uh, That's why ISIS destroyed those great ruined cities in Syria, Uh, because then it means you can't, okay, well, we'll throw off uh, these guys and then we can go back to the past. No, you can throw them off, but they've destroyed the past. So there's only a void. And that's what they're doing. So that the entirety of the Western world is like the empty plinth on which Robert E. Lee and his horse used to be. Uh, You remove Robert E. Lee, you remove the horse, you remove Stephen Foster, you remove Kate Smith, you remove it all. So there's just the entirety of the Western world is just one giant empty plinth. And then there's the void. And what's gonna arise in the void? There's no, you know, a healthy society is like an iceberg. There's the seven-eighths below the surface. That's what, they've, that's what they've got rid of when they say, we can't have any books uh, before two, published before 2008. And in the void, you can make people into whatever you want. And even if you don't succeed, there's nothing for them to go back to. Uh, and that's why they're doing that's why that's why they're doing all this thing juan otero says hi mark glad to see you are little by little back in the fray laura put the fear of god in me with her masks are back from yesterday yeah that was in laura's links masks are back is it possible maybe new mandates passports whatever i am pessimistic And at the same time, can't believe humanity is totally stupid. What is your gut feeling about it? Thank you. Well, as I said, I I just look at that CBS News poll. And that shows that even everything's been wrecked by this COVID nonsense. Now, here's what I, you know, okay, you're entitled to be stupid about yourself. If you want to destroy your business, if you want to destroy your health, you're 47 years old or whatever, and you're... Uh, entitled to make that decision. But I don't think you're entitled to do it to kids. And this idea, they're revving it all up, all the same crap that we now know. Masks, it's not only the masks don't work, but that if you put wear these masks, you're ingesting all these little plastic particles and things it's all going into your lungs and all the rest of it. Um, man wasn't meant to wear masks. Uh, and if you insist on putting him in one, it's uh, not going to have good health outcomes. Then they're saying, oh, we're gonna, uh, you're going to need more booster, 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 boosters. Uh, the, the uninvestigated excess deaths is incredible. The cover-up. That's the only reason I'm doing this crappy Ofcom case. Because Ofcom has blood on its hands in restricting the conversation. These stupid, everything I said that I got uh, eventually taken off air for is uh, truer and truer and truer every week. But they still want you, you know, even Fauci now say, oh yeah, but by the way, these uh, COVID vaccines, they cause myocarditis. Oh, thanks for that. Uh, it was known three years ago, but you Fauci, with the aid of big tech and all the rest of it, covered that up until people started dying from it. Uh, And yet here we are, they're gonna do it to us all over again, and that CBS News poll says 50% of Americans are happy to go along with it all over again. This is the thing, if, if you put a mask on your kid, you're doing something wicked. You're doing something, we've, we've got a, a, uh, a generation of children damaged, not just in their social development, but in some cases with all kinds of health issues, uh, particularly ones who uh, had unnecessary vaccines for an illness that was no, for a, a medical uh, threat that was no threat to them whatsoever. Uh, and instead we have excess deaths now among the young and middle-aged uh, because of this stuff. And half the population of the United States oh great, yeah, I felt, yeah, I uh, own a hair salon and I felt uh, my business wasn't totaled su- quite sufficiently in 2020. So I'm glad they're coming around to screw me over all over again. You know, we get the government in in democratic societies, we get the government we deserve. So, uh, if you support all this all over again, it's because you haven't paid any attention to it. You know, you you thought, oh, maybe you watched uh, that Pratt on uh, whatever he is who was doing the tequila. Uh, da da da, da dee, de, 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 uh, tequila. Da 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 and Skept instead of going tequila, they went vaccine, which doesn't even match the pros of it. It's crap, like everything. Writers strike, amazing, isn't it? Right, there is no Stephen Colbert, there is no Jimmy Fallon, or you know, the the forty man writing team goes on strike. And he's standing there with nothing to say in front of you know the, this. These shows are pathetic. Um, But people, oh, yeah, no, uh, like, yeah, I I watched some, his 40 man writing uh, team wrote this lame, uh, wrote this uh, lame sketch about getting the vaccine. So I think, yeah, I'm going to get, yeah, yeah, you're right. It did my aunt. I was going to ask my aunt about it, but she died. Um, Yeah, half the country still wants to do it again. It is. Tom Gelson, this is the thing I mentioned. Hi Mark, I've just come across a news item about a book banning project in a Canadian high school in Ontario. It's actually the Peel School District, which is uh, Mississauga. And um, apparently all books published prior to 2008 have been removed from the school library at the order of the local school board to ensure that students, quote, are not exposed to non-inclusivity. Yeah. Include me out, as Samuel Goldwyn used to say. Coincidentally, I'm almost to the end of your latest tale, Out of Time, which I'm greatly enjoying, despite, spoiler alert, the tragic flame-out of the time traveler's romantic relationship. After reading the news from Ontario, I kind of wish I could jump into a contraption that would fly me to the 1890s so that I could warn the world of the madness to come. But then again, I doubt anyone would believe me. And that is true, which is one of the reasons I uh, wanted to do out of time, is because we're a mere 130 years later. But if you went back to the 1890s, which, you know, uh, I think you can look at the period between the revolutions of 1848 and the outbreak of the Great War in August 1914. As the height of our civilization, um, you will, no one would believe, if you went back, all those fellas sitting around in our Tale for Our Time in the 1890s, Kipling and Conan Doyle, and all the rest of them said, in 130 years, they will be banning books published before 2008. They would not have believed that we could get that nuts that fast, and that is the the question to ask, and that is why it's important to resist all this stuff, and that is actually why we do old books at uh, Stein Online in Tales for Our Time, because you can't find them in a library in Mississauga, Ontario, because they're not acceptable, because they're th- anything. It is year 0. It is literally the Khmer Rouge. It is literally Cambodian and it will end the same way because uh, it's pretty clear from the way they talk that they whatever squeamishness they have about piling up a huge mountain of skulls is uh, is likely to go at uh, at some point. And that's why it's important every little thing push back push back don't accept any of it, uh, unless. Uh, maybe I should get some T-shirts made up, unless you're willing to surrender everything, uh, surrender nothing. That's the way I feel about it, and uh, and what's you know, I, I'm not interested in these. Third-rate, nothing people standing around on stage, as if what's going on is perfectly normal. If that Republican debate is the level at which the next interminable fourteen months of this stupid election uh, are going to be uh, are going to be carried out, at it's insufficient to the challenge of the times, um, and that is that that you you know. Asa Hutchinson is gonna save us? Chris Christie's gonna save us? Nikki Haley, after she's finished 35 years of warmongering in Ukraine and Russia, is gonna say, I don't think so, I don't think so. Uh, a little more Italian music for you on our Clubland q and um, I just happened, yeah. You know, I, was, I was thinking about this lady. Uh, the other day, uh, many, many years ago, the magnificent Gigliola Cinquetti was a guest on my show, just a lovely lady. Uh, we ran into each other over the years, although it's been a while, uh, but I treasure every moment. A great Italian multi-talent. Uh, she's a much better telepresenter presenter than I am, apart from anything else. In 1964, she sang the Italian entry in the Eurovision Song Contest, and she won. Uh, which Italy had never done before, um, and it was with a song co written by Nisa Nicola Salerno, the rock and roll baseball ball to l'americano guy. Uh, and even more impressively, uh, G- G- Gigliola uh, was just 16 years old, the youngest ever Eurovision uh, winner. Uh, until I think that record held for 35 years or something. Uh, so Italy was pretty thrilled. They, they thought they'd made it. And then in the ensuing years, nothing. Back to their usual losing streak. So a decade later, Eurovision 1974, they got Gigliola back to sing a song called "Si," which means, yes, there was just one problem. Uh, We talked about this on that BBC show years ago. In 1974, Italy was in the run-up to a referendum on divorce. Three years earlier, the government had passed a law permitting divorce, which had hitherto been illegal. And a lot of people were unhappy about uh, the new... uh, divorce uh, scene, so three years later, the Italian state decided to let the citizenry have a say in whether or not to repeal the law. If you wanted to go back to the no-divorce days, you supported the yes side, and if you wanted to keep the option of divorce, you supported the no side, and Giuliola Cinquetti's song doesn't really have anything to do with that, but it is called See Yes, and she keeps singing See All the way through it. And so Italian broadcasters decided the song was subliminal anti divorce propaganda and banned it from TV and radio. And thus, for the first time in Eurovision history, a country decided to sabotage its own entry. Sing it, (laughs) Giuliola!
2: E chissà perché non ridevo più. L'erba si appoggiò sul vestito mio. Era come se io dicessi addio. Non leggevo più nei pensieri miei. Ma poi si fece chiara l'atmosfera. E dovevo dirgli sì. La mia mente disse sì. Per paura, per amore, non me lo chiesi mai.
1: don't speak italian signorina cinquetti says si yes quite a lot in that song Uh, which is why on the night of the eurovision song contest in april 1974 a month before the italian divorce referendum italian tv blacked out the live broadcast of its own entry in the competition but hang on there were no divorce referenda in Finland or Portugal, were there? So how did C do in the actual contest? Oh uh, well, another bit of bad luck. It would have won were it not for the fact that that year the Swedish entry was by a new and hitherto unknown pop group called ABBA, the song Waterloo. So, 10 years after her first victory at Eurovision, the history book on the shelf did not repeat itself for Giuliola Cinquetti. But the 1964 win and the 1974 second place were Italy's two best Eurovision results, and both by Signorina Cinquetti. Alas, because of the divorce referendum ban, she didn't get a hit in Italy, C didn't make the charts at all. And so the record didn't really do anything in the rest of Europe either, except, except in the UK and other parts of the Commonwealth, where our old chum Norman Newell, um, you may have heard yours truly and Gary Osborne, uh, who knew Norman since he was a two-year-old boy. You you might have heard uh, me and Gazza talking about Norman and his great song, More, on a recent Serenade radio edition of our Song of the Week. Anyway, Norman Newell put entirely different English words to this tune. Uh, And so Giliola had a top ten Anglo hit with a change of monosyllabic title. No longer see,
0: but go. Do
2: you really mean what you try to say? isn't true, say it's just a game. Say it isn't true, things are just the same. How can you and I ever say goodbye? No, I see your eyes agree.
1: In the UK hit parade in 1974, the Italian writers were Mario Panzeri, Daniela Pace, Lorenzo Pilat and Corrado Conti. And the English words were by dear Norman Newell. Delightful, beautiful Giliola Cinquetti, Still going strong, I'm happy to say. Go, go before you break my heart. Uh, My heart is already totally kaput, so I'm too late to live up to the latter half of the title phrase. But I uh, can uh, do the first word, go by shoving off right now. I'm out of here. Stick with Stein Online this weekend. Rick McGuinness on the Movie Beat. We'll have something rather special for you on Stein's Song of the Week this week. You won't want to miss it. Stay safe, stay free, stay well. (laughs)
0: of Markstein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. Oh. All rights reserved.